Another Way to Play, episode 114. I felt like I was failing over and over again. And, and as an Olympic athlete, you can attest, right? We're not used to failing. When you're at the top of your game, failure isn't really something you're programmed to think about. And then you get into the entrepreneur space and it's like every single day, there's a quote unquote fail is an acronym for first attempt in learning. Hey guys, this is Zach Knight, host of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that your success or failure in life is determined by your ability to succeed and win when it comes to your mindset. Today's guest is a good buddy of mine. It's Zach Knight. He started his journey originally as a Metro Atlanta area police officer and SWAT operator for seven years and eventually transitioned into the military as an infantry leader in Afghanistan. Once he transitioned out of the military full-time, he built his first company called Night Protection Services. That is where he takes a more proactive as opposed to reactive relationship with security, both physical and emotional and psychological. And we get into that specifically in the show. He also started the Be a Tactical Leader brand, which through the efforts of his own as well as other business leaders, he shares what it means to be a leader in your own life. This is one that you guys are definitely going to want to listen to and probably take some notes on because we get into a couple of really cool things. Specifically, we talk about what it means to be a good number two. He has some good analogies and some good stories from his experience, both as a soldier as well as a business person. We also get into the mindset that it is required to be a leader and and really what that can mean, even if you're inside an organization and, and towards the bottom, how you can take a leadership role even at the bottom. If you get some value out of this, guys, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review uh, with, for the show. It really helps me grow, get in front of a few more people, and uh, keep providing value for them. So thank you so much in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's get into it with my buddy, Zach Knight. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Awesome. I'm super excited, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, let's jump into it, man. Like, like, tell us what you're into right now. Tell, give us a sense of, of where you've come to, like, what do you, you got a lot happening. So, so give us the rundown and tell us, tell us where you're at. Yeah, I'll be as short winded as possible on this, um, which is not very possible right now. I own six different companies kind of spread all across the baby organization. The, the, the very first one that I treat as my, my only child is my security firm, uh, Night Protection Services. We're a security consulting firm based out of Atlanta, where we focus on uh, providing better workplaces for organizations, both from toxic leadership and workplace safety perspectives. 
out of that, we've created a little bit of a purpose project with Surviving to Thriving. It's a domestic violence nonprofit that my wife and I founded that obviously focuses on supporting women and making sure they have the capabilities through lifestyle learning courses and specifically uh, women's self-defense. That is our headlining program there. On top of that, we have a real estate holdings firm, um, which you know a little bit about in the real estate world where we're working on buying a few multifamily complexes to house women going through our program. Thanks to COVID, that's been put on the back burner a little bit, but that's our plan with that. And then since COVID, um, we've actually founded a mutual friend of ours, Jesse Smith and I founded the Worldwide Dance Challenge in my creative district, which is the talent management firm on top of um, a, an international dance challenge that we created. Um, that challenge in 120 days has us streaming to 85 countries on our website. So we've really blown that up quite a bit. And the sixth brand out of all of this is Nightly Productions, um, which is the, the production firm from audio video across everything we do. Now we're moving more into content production as well. Uh, where we're doing social media management and the likes, kind of just filling the needs of all our brands so we don't have to outsource it quite so much. Man, that's that's obviously you got a lot happening, a lot going on, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show. And I love that you're into so many different things because when I first met you, obviously the dance stuff and the and the social media stuff and even the podcasting thing wasn't as, as big in your world. And, and since then, just in the last year, it's really gotten huge. And obviously that requires a massive mindset, something that you had to develop over some years, clearly through your experience in the military and the police and all that good stuff. So why don't you back us up, build that context of how you really truly started to build that for yourself? Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of crazy to think it's been 11 years, man. I'm getting old, but I, I entered law enforcement when I was 21, uh, pretty much right on my 21st birthday when you're allowed here in Georgia entered into law enforcement. And that was like the one thing I wanted to do in life. I always dreamed about being a, like a hometown cop where I became a police officer in the city I grew up in, just in uh, Metro Atlanta. And, you know, did that for about seven years and did everything you could think of from SWAT to narcotics to um, you name it. I just kind of did all the fun stuff that you see on the TV shows. Actually left that my two weeks notice from the police department led me into the military where I felt like I wanted to shoot bigger guns and blow up bigger things. Not really, but you know, that, that call to service on a larger scale really started kind of eating away at me, right? At, at 18, I chased girls and didn't join the military like I wanted to. And at 28, I, I made the leap into the military where, you know, I, I went straight into basic training, went from making some decent money as a cop to making about $18,000 a year as a private in the army and built my way up through there to where now I'm an infantry lieutenant where uh, I was in Afghanistan for most of 2019 on a combat deployment attached to a special forces unit. Learned so many things during that time. And in the four years I've been in the military, it's been a heck of a ride from right now I'm working with the CDC and Department of Public Health here in Georgia and Atlanta with COVID. I mean, that's completely changed the game where I never thought about working on disease control with the army, but that's a big piece of what we're doing right now. And it's just kind of been up and down and through all that started a few businesses that I mentioned and trying to break it on my own a little bit out of that government construct. Well, man, a lot of questions here. First and foremost, I, th I find it so fascinating that you started in law enforcement and then went to the military because I always felt like 
Totally backwards. That, I didn't it totally was like backwards. the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, like most people like join the Marines when they're 18 or whatever. You know, the Marine Corps was where most of my friends went in if they were going in, but the Army, Navy, whatever. And then they they come out and, and kind of have this hybrid life into civilian life, which is to be a police officer, a police force somehow. So how, how did that work out for you specifically? You know, honestly, like I said, I kind of made a joke about it, but at 18... When I, I was days away from signing a contract with the Air Force, I wanted to join the military and I hesitated, man. I, I was dating a girl and I'm like, you know what? I just don't, I don't feel that level of commitment right now to make that type of decision. Really dumb 18 year old decision, you know, obviously she and I are not together, you know, 14, 15 years later. And, you know, it just, it led to throughout my policing experience, it led to honestly wanting to serve on a bigger platform. I wanted to test my leadership capabilities. I wanted to take soldiers into combat. Um, careful what you ask for, because I did exactly that last year. Um, but it turned into, I just really felt like I wanted to make a bigger impact. And, you know, as a cop, it, it's, there's so many politically charged aspects of being a police officer right now. And I just felt like my effectiveness as a police officer in my local community was no longer there. And I wanted to continue to make an impact where, I saw the military doing just that, where I can make an impact in, in lives of soldiers and lives abroad. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm glad you brought all that up because it, it, it speaks to your mindset around what, where you were going with all of this. And, and I think broadly, one of the things that I find most interesting about you is I, I certainly know some vets and some have some friends who are, you know, getting into entrepreneurship, or they're trying to flip houses, generally, like they somehow a lot of them end up in real estate somehow. But you're going into all these different verticals, and, and frankly, just into a very diving straight into a very deep sort of entrepreneurial pursuit, as opposed to, you know, having something stable out of those two relatively stable careers, and then having like a side hustle, like you're going a very different direction. And what, what is it for you that really called you or led you or pulled you in that direction that you think a lot of, you know, your peers and your fellow vets and service members don't necessarily have? You know, I honestly trace it all the way back to um, my law enforcement career, my why in creating night protection services and my why in being focused on leadership come from law enforcement where the, the big part of leadership was Dale Carnegie. I went through the Dale Carnegie Institute here in Atlanta, um, actually fell in love with the course and went back and taught at Dale Carnegie for a couple sessions where it opened my mind to the possibilities as a leader where, you know, a police officer and really anybody is a leader. I mean, a leader is such a broad term. You could be a janitor and still be a leader in the biggest organization in the world because you're representing yourself and that brand so you could be leading an entire staff by representing yourself in a certain way, right? And Dale Carnegie really opened my eyes to those, those rules of what is a leader really? And are you positioning yourself in a place where you're leading or you're following? And sometimes it kind of is interchangeable where one of the biggest lessons I learned from Dale Carnegie is sometimes the best leaders are the first followers. And if you can be a really strong number two, you might be one of the best leaders around. Um, and that's kind of where all my pursuits came from, where I wanted to lead people um, 
in night protection services. I want to lead organizations to be safer, you know, from psychological safety, physical safety, um, and that's toxic workplaces, it's active shooter events. I wanted to take that knowledge that I really studied and apply it into the private sector where I saw a need where people just weren't doing that space of things, right? I, I wanted to make sure people were actually protected where I'll, I'll say it, and it's not a popular opinion, but police officers are really designed as an observe and report or respond and report type of function, whereas they're not really proactive, right? A lot of what they do is in law enforcement is reactive. And I wanted to be proactive. I have a very proactive mindset where I want to make sure we're accomplishing things and finding issues that we can tackle before they become really big issues in the long term. So you're so relative to that kind of respond and report situation, you're saying like something's actively happening. Someone calls 911, you show up, you look at what's going on and, and try and deal with it the best you can and then write up the report after the fact. And then that's sort of the end of the engagement. Right. And, and what I designed with night protection, what we focus on is auditing and assessing security systems and security solutions. So I'll, I'll be hired by an organization and I'll come in and literally just do a SWOT analysis of their security. Show them here's where you're strong. Here's where you're weak. Here's where there are opportunities for some sort of crime to happen. And here's what's threatening your employees and your organization. And I'll write up a full assessment of here's how we improve on that. And that could be firing a toxic leader where you know, in order to perform, people have to feel safe going into work, both physically, but emotionally and psychologically. And if they're getting attacked by a toxic leader, it becomes very evident in the way people show up to work, which leads to a very complacent mindset by the employee, which overall leads to, again, physical safety not being a concern for people. And it, it kind of designs an intricate web of how one thing starts affecting the other. So we try to take that proactive step toward here's what we can do to help you avoid this long-term lawsuit or this active shooter situation that's gonna cost lives. Here's what we can do to design ahead of time. So by the time the police show up, you've already done certain things to ensure that your workforce is safe. That's really interesting that you brought in this sort of psychological, you know, jerk boss component of this, because I think most of us can sort of understand the concept of an active shooter or someone coming in and, you know, setting a fire or doing something crazy physically like that. But then well before all of that, you're talking about, you know, the psychological health and safety and well-being of the people who are working inside the organization. And how do we maximize that as part of this report? Because like, I suppose like unlocked doors and windows are one thing that we can all fix. And that's pretty obvious. But then the things, the conversations that happen behind those doors and windows are, are where you're taking it to the next level, it sounds like. Absolutely. And I mean, it goes into like threat profiles on employees where there are always signs. If you can see the signs attached to a problem employee that has violent tendencies, right? You can really build a, a system to show those tendencies that come out so that by the time they get to that point where you're ready to terminate them, you're able to articulate, 
here's where this person is a troubled individual that is not great for their next door neighbor or the cubicle over. And if that person feels like they're being harassed every single day, either one, your retention is really going to be awful or two, you know, you're going to have a miserable workforce, a miserable culture. A lot of it turns into that culture, right? How do you create that winning and successful culture? And if you can pinpoint those things going through something like that type of assessment, it really becomes a game changer for how you're building your culture. That's super fascinating, man. Um, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier relative to leadership, because I think most of us have this vision of leadership and I've heard you talk about it on some other shows. And, um, you talked about when you led uh, people into battle, like everyone sort of understands that I think the concept of, you know, an officer and an enlisted person, but the, and the rank obviously puts the officer ahead regardless of experience or time or age or whatever. However, I remember you, you telling a story about you had like two years with this group and then you had your next highest non-commissioned officer or the next highest enlisted person had like 17 years or some some ridiculous amount of experience in several combat tours and you figured out a way to sort of be the best number two or some something like that. Can you like speak into that a little bit more? And I'm not sure if I'm getting the story right, but it was something like that. No, you're, you're hitting it on the head, man. To give a, a better context behind the way that worked, two years into into the military, I that's when we got um, signed on to deploy to Afghanistan. And the way it works on the officer side, I was a commissioned officer through OCS, so I didn't go through ROTC. I didn't go through schooling in the formal sense of how people get commissioned. And I had two Meaning years Meaning like college and stuff? Correct, correct. ROTC, yeah, yeah. West Point, those, that's sure. generally how you get a commission. I went through an army school to get my commissioning, and it was a shorter process, but you have to have a degree already, and it's a little bit more uh, formalized in that sense. But by the time we got tabbed to deploy, it was October of 2018. That was my two-year anniversary, if you will, in the military. Well, my platoon sergeant, my right-hand man, had 17 years in the military and three other deployments, one to Iraq, one to Af Afghanistan, one to Kosovo, which means the dude knew what the heck he was doing, right? Whereas me as a two-year a two guy, I don't have a clue about really how to lace my boots, nonetheless, how to lead guys in combat, right? And, and it, it comes down into tactics, right? He has tactical experience where I still have leadership experience. And if I had tried to step on him and say, hey, look, man, I, I'm the boss, all right? I'm the one that signs off on that, which is technically that is true. I have the final say on everything. But if you put your, you know, if you come up to a table like that and you say, hey, man, I don't care about your 17 years of experience, and you need to sit down and be quiet while I make these decisions, you totally invalidate everything he has to say, which is going to do, he's essentially an advisor to me that he's guiding me. And if you want to be so stubborn and pigheaded as leader to, to not be able to take a step back, even though you're the CEO or the COO, you can't take a step back for a second and say, man, this dude has a lot of great experience in, in what he's done in the military. I should let him speak on this piece, right? So, I listen to him. I talk to him. I confer to him. I let him get in front of everybody and say, this is what we're going to do. And I give him my stamp of approval because I trust that guy. You know, sometimes as a leader, like, like I talked about that Dale Carnegie lesson is you have to be that first follower. And in order to be the first follower and a great leader, you know, you kind of have to recognize that in other people where they have that experience and not have the, the ego attached to it. You have to have that humility where you can point to it and say, you know, 
I think you're brilliant and I need you to do that. And that's what made Steve Jobs one of the most successful CEOs in the world is he was able to surround himself with smarter people, right? You can look at Tesla and how Tesla's built and, you know, all these people will tell you they're not the smartest person in the room. They hire the smartest person around them. And it's the same lesson I applied to the military where I surrounded myself with really great enlisted guys that had a lot of great knowledge. I just had to have the humility to step back and be like, all right, guys, it's y'all's time to shine because you know what the heck's going on. Right. And to me, that is whether you're actually in charge or you just hope to be at some point, like being that strong number two, being actively engaged in those conversations and that planning and whatever it is, um, is so valuable. I mean, in my, I don't know that I talked about it a lot on the show, but in my profession, I'm on a team, a real estate team, and my team leaders have each roughly 20 years of experience selling Bay Area real estate. So they've really seen almost everything that one could see. And, you know, it'd be very easy for someone like myself to show up and think like, oh, I've had some experience. I came from the Olympics. Like I got this, this is selling some houses. Or, you know, you sit down, you shut up and you become a sponge and you learn everything you can and put input when you can and, and become sort of their best number two to the point that like now they're just kicking me stuff and they're saying like asking my opinion on stuff all of a sudden because they trust that I know what I'm doing and I've learned from them. And, and it's really kind of amazing when you come in with some humility into those situations, even if you know stuff, like how far that can get you with just human nature. Yeah, and there's a great video that they showed during that Del Carnegie lesson. Um, and it's kind of funny, but it gives, gives such a great representation to the psychology of the individual. There's an outdoor concert happening, and somebody has their cell phone up, of course, they're videotaping. And there's this one guy who looks absolutely plastered, right? He's just dancing, having a great time, ignoring the world. But you hear in the audio, people are kind of making fun of this crazy drunk dude dancing, even though you're at an outdoor concert. And it goes on for 30, 45 seconds. And then all of a sudden you see somebody else run up and start dancing with the dude. And they start like having a blast and they're just goofing off, having a great time. And after within 10 seconds, it turns into a mosh pit, right? For 10 people, then a hundred people. And then literally the entire field of people are up and dancing. And it wasn't necessarily that first dude that got everybody dancing because everybody was making fun of that dude. It was that second guy, that first follower that was able to get the massive crowd to do what that first guy was doing. And that's the power of being a great number two, because everybody needs that first follower. Otherwise there is no leader. And if you can provide that to somebody, it's just an invaluable experience for everybody involved. I love that analogy. And I, I think I've heard you tell that story as well, which is thank you for sharing it on the show for sure. But it's such a, so true. I, I can think of so many times in my own life when it's like, there's that one person who has a really great idea or whatever, but until someone gets on board with it, that first person to step out and say, sure, I, I can, I can uh, support this or whatever, you know, it's just an idea and he's not getting through to anybody pivoting out of the military when you then decided to go out on your own and start these businesses, you know, what, what was that first step like? And, and how did you really go from kind of having the, I, I guess, a quote unquote, stable engagement as, as much as the military could be into a very entrepreneurial, quote unquote, kill what you eat world? You know, it was, it was terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time. You know, you go from something structured, government work is two things. 
it is very stable where it's hard to lose a job unless you do something really crazy, but it's stuck in your pigeonholed into what you're doing. Right. As an infantryman, I know infantry stuff as a cop. I know cop stuff, right. They don't teach you business. They don't teach you how to balance a QuickBooks account. Like they don't teach all that. So to take that leap and make that transition to where I wanted to do more and provide a little bit of a need in the market that I saw, you know, I think the the counterbalance to fear is courage. And you have to take that, that courage into the unknown where you have to become a student of everything. I went back and got my MBA and honestly, my MBA taught me what to be afraid of in business. It outlined, here's where you're going to mess up. And then it, it turned into podcasting. That's where you and I met through Travis. He was one of the first podcasts I started listening to years ago. Now I run my own podcast where I'm interviewing leaders from across the world. I've had Evan Carmichael, Jordan Harbinger on my show. Like I've had great names that are great leaders where it's like, holy man, I'm getting all these great lessons. And that's what I learned is I had to read a lot more books I had to listen to the lessons of others and, and all these great stories of business leaders that have made those mistakes. And I had to wrap my mind around the word fail. I felt like I was failing over and over again. And, and as an Olympic athlete, you can attest, right? We're not used to failing. When you're at the top of your game, failure isn't really something you're programmed to think about. And then you get into the entrepreneur space and it's like every single day, there's a quote unquote fail but I, I read, and I can't remember the book off the top of my head, but I read um, fear, or excuse me, fail is an acronym for first attempt in learning. And the military loves acronyms. So I, I immediately correlated with every time you fail, it's just your first time learning something new. And that's the biggest mindset shift I had to take of, man, I'm just learning. And I'm loving the journey of learning about something new every single day. And, and that mindset shift that you took is critical because I think there's, especially in entrepreneurship, but anything just sort of out on your own, even if you don't want to call yourself an entrepreneur, a real estate agent's a great example of this, but you know, anything you go kind of be a sole practitioner, you go start your own office, you go do something in like a greater under an umbrella or, or a franchise or whatever. You kind of assume you need to be making a billion dollars and knocking knocking it out of the park from day one, but when you shift your mindset to say, "Hey, I'm simply learning this, and I have you know as long as your downside's covered, you don't want to lose money and go bankrupt, of course, but as long as your you know your backside's covered and uh, you can pay your people back and you you're good, like you can afford to like quote unquote fail, but realistically you're just getting better and what it is you're actually trying to learn and do and grow. 100%. And, and I have another acronym. And those these are two that I just like every single day, I, I absolutely live by and love. And any anybody I coach through um, tactical leadership and be a tactical leader, whether it's on podcasting or it's on business and just sharing those leadership lessons I've learned. Another one is the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And I mentioned that courage is like the opposite of fear to me. And, and that's something else, like from fail to fear, you know, false evidence appearing real. That's that's something serious in the entrepreneur space where you get this anxiety of, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm betting the farm on myself. I can't do this. And you start getting those limiting beliefs that will just continually pile on you if you can't have that kind of touch to reality of I am doubling down on myself because I know I can do this. And all of this that's happening, all this fear that's creeping up on me is really just false everything. 
showing itself and appearing real. And it's really not real. It's your mind making it real. And if you can kind of control that piece of it, you know, there's really no limit to the success that you can see as long as you have that courage to fight it. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. I'm struck by just the, you know, the conviction, the acronyms that you pull up that are really clearly like tattooed in the inside of your brain somehow. And everything that you've, you've kind of built out of your military and policing experience and into your, your tactical leadership brand and into your general leadership coaching and everything you do there. The one thing that I find interesting that is sort of not off brand per se, because I know you, but if someone were to look outside of you and look at your lineup of, of businesses, they'd say, you know, the dance challenge and the dance world is sort of like, where the heck did that come in? You know, and I get it because you're a businessman, you, you've got an opportunity, I'm sure. But like, can you explain to us how that kind of came into your world? Because it's something that, you know, for Jesse, your business partner, it's, you know, he was a dancer, like that part made sense. But then you got you came in and are doing a lot with that too. So can you tell us how that kind of came to be? Because I think that's a cool story. First and foremost, Jesse, yeah, he's a, he's a great dancer. He danced with Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, he's done Pepsi commercials. That's all well and good. I am one of the best dad dancers you will ever see. I can finger wag. I can do the stanky leg or whatever they call it. Like, I got this. If I'm in the club, um, no, but in, in all seriousness, man, what you have to know about creatives, creatives are visionaries. Jesse is a visionary. And I've learned in the entrepreneur space, there are a lot of visionaries but sometimes they don't know how to hit that five meter target. What's that next step you have to go to, to make this thing work. And what the military and policing's taught me, I'm really good at what's that next step. What are we going to chip away at? So when Jesse and I came together and we came up with this concept of this dance challenge, it's like, we don't know how the heck we're going to do it. He knows dancers. I know how to structure a business. Let's roll with it. And then here we are right at four months later and we're in 85 countries consistently going to the website every single month. And the fact that we're streaming to that many countries in that short of time for me as an operations guy, it's been immense. I building out the production company. I have about 20 people on the team there. We have um, everything from audio video, like I mentioned to social media people to now we have NFL cheerleaders, NBA cheerleaders that are brand ambassadors for us. And we're starting to co-brand with them just operationally, like the excitement behind what is possible of building a national, a global brand like that. I mean, just that's exciting to me, right? Like as the COO, again, a COO is, is a number two, you know, you won't see me. A lot of people are like, are you attached to this? Why are you so obsessed with it? Because you don't see me or my name in front of anything because I'm Jesse's number two on this. And while we came up with the idea together, to me, I have that mindset of Jesse's the visionary. He's the host of the show. He's the one that has that experience. And if I can be that amazing COO and that number two for him that helps him find that next five meter target, again, that growth is, is there's just no telling where it's going to go with those two things combined. And I think it's really important to kind of understand your sphere of genius, if you will. Like everyone's got some, we'll call it a superpower, a core competency, something along those lines, right? Something that you're just really good at and probably better than most at. And when you can sort of dial in on that, call it niche in, whatever word you want to throw on it, and then apply that to partnerships or to business opportunities or just your relationships, like what am I really good at? What can I double down on and just provide 
value and really bring something to the to the table here that's when really amazing stuff can happen and you can get into the room on a dance company that's going into 85 countries when you're you know mr leadership and tactical uh police uh military guy previous to that but i i love that you kind of outlined where you sit in that and the the opportunity that's there it's it's uh it's really cool to see, man, because it's something I didn't think you were going to do until you started doing it. And then I'm like, oh, that's super awesome. I'd, I'm so glad he's doing something different like that. Yeah, it, it's exciting, man. It's a challenge. And it's something that, again, I never thought uh, dance like, come on, man. It's, it, you know me. It, it is not, <laughs> I'm, I'm too busy carrying a ruck and carrying a rifle to be dancing. But, you know, like you said, it's, it's seeing those opportunities of how I can play a part right? How can I be a part of a bigger team where my name is nowhere on this? And I want to emphasize that, like your name doesn't have to be on anything for you to be an integral part of what's happening. And for me, it's like, I know my role. My role is not in front of the camera. I'm bald, bearded and beautiful, but I do not have a camera face. So I'll let Jesse handle that with his beautiful hair. And, you know, it, it, it turns into my role is to keep him focused you know, find out our next step and keep plugging away at these certain things. And, and I've went through um, Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins um, knowledge blueprint, their mastermind program. I went through that here over the last few months and they call it a superpower. When you find that superpower of what are you really good at, you know, forget about let's improve on our weaknesses. It's find that strength and you triple down on that and you keep betting on yourself because if you can find that one thing that you're amazing at, you will always find that success no matter if it's a dance challenge or a security company, right? And you just have to keep keep doubling down on that. And some might call that like, your passion, right? Like they might, or they might frankly mistake that for like, I got to find my passion. Like not to say that you didn't enjoy dancing, but I, knowing you before you started this, you were not, I don't think I heard the word dance challenge or anything related to hip hop come out of your mouth one single time. And here you are, but what you are good at is the leadership, the operations, the, the, the finding the next uh, five meter target as you referred to it at. And, and then it's just widgets, frankly, at that point. 100% man. Well, widgets and partnerships, because you're in business with some pretty cool people there too, uh, Jesse and some others, right? So yeah, man, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. But I want to respect the rest of your day because I know you got some some other stuff going on. Before we get to the last section of the show, tell us a little bit about your podcast and tell us about the format in particular, because I, I really love your format and the way that you're um, releasing episodes every week. Man, I, I appreciate that. And um, my, my podcast is something, again, it's furthering my study of leadership. It's allowed me to reach out to, like I said, Jordan Harbinger, man, like that dude's insane. Um, and to be able to network and reach out to leaders like that in different industries has been incredible. Um, for the way I record, I actually break it into, I do three episodes a week. I record two episodes at once. The first episode is all about the individual and it's all about falling in love with Hans. Who's Hans? What's his mindset? How is he a leader? What's his experience in leadership? And we have a great conversation. Then Wednesday of that week, I do a solo cast. Here are my takeaways from our conversation. This is what I really enjoyed about what we spoke about. And then Friday, we kind of bring it all together with a call to action episode that I call Tactical Friday. And it's what are the tactics that 
that person's going to get from the conversation. So you come on the show, Hans, and it turns into, you know, Tactical Friday with Hans. What are steps one, two, and three that you would recommend to somebody that's going to work for, work with you, work for you? That could be in leadership. That could be in real estate. And it kind of just is that great call to action of after we fell in love with you, now we're going to find out exactly what we can do to work with you. That's awesome. See, that, that's such a unique format, man. I love it. And I really enjoy your show and what you're doing with it. So, so keep it up. Um, and with that, I want to transition us to the last section of this show, which is the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. First question is what book have you gifted most often? Ooh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko uh, Willink and Leif Babin. And it talks about taking extreme ownership in your actions and everything you do. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Abraham Lincoln, because he is by far one of the best leaders in history and went through as a leader in one of the formative countries and superpowers of the world. He's the one that created what we are today. And it's just, it'd be incredible to hear how he did that. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? I love, I love this because it, it ruffles feathers. And I, I always keep it in military lingo, but a lot of people are, you know, ready, aim, fire. And that's how you accomplish tasks. You, you get ready, you set your sights on something, and then you take your shot. I flip the script on that. And I'm all about ready, fire, aim, you know, get ready, take the shot and let's adjust course, but don't have those limiting beliefs. Don't have that analysis paralysis that keeps you from taking your shot. Go ahead and take it and adjust course along the way. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Oh, I, I love a morning routine, man. If I don't do this, it throws me off all day. Um, wake up, of course, do all the hygiene, brush my teeth, feed the dogs, all that fun stuff. I write three things I'm grateful for in my mirror every single day because through several trials and tribulations, especially in the deployment, you know, it's one of those that I have to maintain that mindset and it sets my day right where I can show there's always something to be grateful for. And then I head off to the gym. And if I don't get my workout in in the morning, my day is ruined. But getting that, uh, the, mind, the mind right and then the body right are the two biggest parts of my morning. And that, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for all of that. What is the best place online that we can connect with you, find out about the show, um, nightly productions, uh, all of that good stuff? Yeah, the two big spots, I'm on every social media platform. The, the leadership brand is at BA Tactical Leader. And that's also BATacticalLeader.com. I host my podcast there and all my leadership content. And then anything security related, it's uh, at night. Pro LLC. And that has all my security safety related content on there. And I monitor all of that. So if you want to send me a DM, shoot me an email, my cell phone's actually listed on both of those. Um, I'm all about having direct contact. So if you see a phone number on there, that is my cell phone number. Shoot me a text, give me a call. Zach, this has been awesome, man. Appreciate it. And for those of you listening, it's all linked up down in the show notes. So it's super easy to find. I uh, just scroll down there, click on it and I'll, and you can send him a, a direct text right out of the show notes. Dude, I really appreciate you taking time with us and uh, talking through some of your experiences and your leadership uh, and everything. And I uh, really appreciate your time. So uh, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me. 
And that does it for today. Guys, if you want to go learn about any one of Zach's six business ventures, I know he's got a lot, head down to the show notes. I've got them all queued up down there so you can learn about his nonprofits, the dance challenge, and of course, night protection services or be a tactical leader. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Chief Sna, spelled S-N-A-H. As well, I've got my website, HansStrazina.com, if you want to learn about my real estate, the podcast, or any of the things I have going on. And if you got value out of this video, please head over to iTunes and give it a rating and review because it really helps me grow, gives me some great feedback on how I can keep getting better and helps me get in front of a few more people. So I'd really, really appreciate that. Thanks in advance. And without any further ado, this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.